Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I thought it was still morning. Yeah, it's got that lazy morning vibe. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, it is a bank holiday. It's Easter weekend. It's pretty much day 30. <laughs> day 29. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, time's super weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty mellow day, actually. Easter weekend, and everybody's being advised constantly to not leave our houses, pretty much. Yeah. And it's like the government are getting super on it as well, because it's such beautiful weather at the moment. Yeah. So it's Easter weekend, it's like 20 degrees, the sun is shining. And it's like the whole of nature is just beckoning you with its yeah. fingers, like, come on out, yeah. come and play. Uh, yeah, and the government have been really ramping it up, like, stay home this Easter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's weird seeing on the daily government announcement, they've just got, like, yellow and... yeah black hazmat yeah. signs to say stay home this Easter. I don't like those. It was way better when they first started out and they just had like white and blue. It was like a blue background with white writing on it saying like, save, protect the NHS, yeah. save lives. Yeah. And now it's a yellow sign with black writing on it and red lines all around the outside yeah. of it, like tape. Yeah. Like, has yeah, hazmat. Yeah. And it's... Uh, it's got way more of a, like, fuck you vibe to it. Okay. It's got more of a kind of, like, we're telling you what to do. Yeah. And shut up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I wonder if it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Like, more intense lockdown rules or... Because it does seem more, like, militaristic with mm -hmm. that. Just the uh, visual kind of fuck you. Yeah. But if it makes more people stay inside and if that's the best thing we can do, then they've got to. Like, it's funny how they don't really tell us. They don't, they're not telling us much. No. Like, we watched the government's announcement last night and they're like telling us that it's working. They're, they're sticking to the plan. The plan is based on the best science around. Like, we've got to do this stuff where people are making a tremendous effort and a tremendous sacrifice. But it's never just like, you should all wear masks. No, it's no. It's never put your finger on. Because I guess they're worried that, like, yeah, if they say that, everyone's going to yeah. go out trying yeah. to buy masks and they'll cause, like, mass panic or yeah. something. Yeah. Which, you can understand that as well, but it's just super frustrating not to have, like, a... A, a line being given yeah. to you kind of thing yeah so i feel like like there's a plan being unfolded yeah and we're being told stuff as and when we need to know yeah and like fair enough i'm a, I'm a citizen i'm happy to go along with the ride but like i hope these people are yeah one thing that we were saying or you were saying yesterday and i think it is true is that we're just getting really fed up of hearing the same lines all the time from the government. Like that's like it's one thing to have a plan, stick to it, and just tell people the information they need when yeah. they need it. Yeah. Like fair enough, but they do it in such a it's just like copy and paste yeah. almost the same lines over and over again. And like you were saying, it would be nice to have personal stories of Claire, the nurse yeah. in. Wales, who's been, you know, yeah. directly affected, and you know they have having to put on PPE and stuff, or you know Mike, the delivery driver, who yeah. is taking food to the most vulnerable. But you don't get any of that. It's just like thank you to everyone who's doing a great yeah. work, and to all of you who are contributing to the effort. We say yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay. Yeah, because in the, in like, 
the, in the election times, they quite often say, like, I hear you, Dave, the farmer, who's yeah. working the, yeah. and who wants new row or whatever. Yeah. But it's very much an impersonal kind of coordinated. It feels like, well, they're just towing the, the party line, I guess, and it's the propaganda machine where it's like, we need to tell them one thing and do one thing. Yeah. And, like, we need them to not go outdoors. We need them to not all go buy shit. We need them to not mm. panic and start hoarding cash or buying guns like they are in the States. I don't know. It's so goddamn complicated trying to, like, control uh, society without anything being seen. Because, mm. like, we still... It's not like we see a destroyed building after a bombing in a war or something like that. Yeah. Or soldiers in the streets. Mm. Or uh, boils and shit like that on your body. Like in the, <laughs> the topic of the day, which is a heavy motherfucker. Because it's the book of Job. Yeah. Before we, uh, before we enter into uh-huh. the Old Testament... <laughs> Uh, I think it would just be good to spend one little minute talking about why we are broaching such big topics right. because uh don't want to like get into any specifics, but we this morning just listened to just a, a small bit of a radio show that was like millennials kind of talking about how to be a grown up. And I think it's like a series, like how to be a grown-up kind of thing. And um, they were talking about how to be a grown-up now in lockdown. And uh, it was interesting. Like it was interesting to listen to. And they had an expert on there who'd spent some time in like isolation on field trips and stuff. And she was giving advice. But then a lot of what they were saying was like, I don't know, felt to me like it was a perpetuating quite bad and unhealthy behavior whilst in lockdown you know that we can't spend a minute away from our phones Uh, our whole life revolves around them now and you know i get up and start drinking like drink gin kind of thing um Yeah, and I couldn't tell if it was satire or not, but I don't think that matters particularly. Yeah, like you, yeah, we did say that. Like, it's probably not the case that they're getting up at two in the yeah. afternoon and drinking gin. But, yeah. like, yeah, it's a comedy show. But even so, I felt like people, it would really be good to have something that was like how to be a grown up yeah. in this time yeah. and, like, to kind of do it in. To say the things that need to be said. Yeah. Without like a heavy dollop of irony on top. Yeah. Because we're embarrassed to talk about the fact that we haven't grown up yet. Like immediately move back in with our parents. Yeah. Or like. So I don't know. I just felt like it would be good to. It would be good to say that we're trying to do something different from that. And we are tackling some pretty heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And like today we're going to talk about the book of Job. Because yeah. Ben's been reading it and it's been helping yeah. think about things that are going on. And I like really don't want to come across as like authorit- authoritarian no. or like austere or, you know. No. But... There's a, so because there's a place for the irony and the comedy as well, yeah. but but there's a place for like almost like an, a naive sense of interest. Mm. Like I'm just interested in mm. whatever might help. Mm-hmm. And like previously in my life, I was pretty close-minded on a, 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 everything apart from a very narrow band of thought that I thought was right yeah and people I thought were cool and fit into that whereas now I try and approach pretty much everything with like an open mind of like well this might something might it might be worth listening to in here Mm. and obviously 
things like sacred texts and literature, the canon, and like the they're obviously they've obviously hit a nerve and kept hitting that nerve for a long time. And so to dismiss them is like mm. fool. And they've got people through yeah. bad times, right? Because they wouldn't be here if they hadn't. They've stood up to the test of darkness and trouble and crisis. Yeah. And people have gone to them. Yeah. And but I think that we're approach I I think that we're approaching these big ideas. I try to approach these big ideas in like I'm not going to get them right and I'm not going to like know more about them than everybody else or like understand them and be able to tell everybody that they should be on the same train. But like to see how I actually experience them as like a, a human in today's world where it's like, well, I don't understand most of this. And this was a very good example of this where like I read, I probably understood or to a certain extent even took in like 30 40% of the book of job mm. the other bits i didn't get it all because mm. it's too hard <laughs> like the the sentences are like multi multi clauseed like epics about and it's saying he should do this and you're like who the fuck is he talking about like mm. i just lost the track i lost it a lot my mind was wandering reading it because it's hard, hard stuff. But that doesn't mean like the 30% that I did take in to a certain extent was any less or. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying, but like, I don't, I don't want to come across. I'm not an expert on anything. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. It's this like sense of, I try to keep a sense of like, that's okay. Yeah. Well, it's like that sense of, like you were saying, childish curiosity. Yeah. That I can still go to this thing and still try and find my way around it, regardless of the fact that I don't understand yeah. quite a bit of it. Yeah. And like, that's okay, but I'm, I'm just going to keep going and see what little, you know, nuggets I can take from it mm-hmm. and, you know, find the bits that do light something up for me Mm. and i think that that's such a great way to approach hard literature like it's a great way to approach many things but it's a really good way to approach like poetry and hard literature because it's like if you go to it with the sense of like right i need to understand the book of job so that i can tell people you know what it's about and get the ultimate message from it it's like you're already handcuffing yourself and I still handcuff myself um, with poetry a lot. Mm. Like, I don't read it, really. I'm like, that's okay. But uh, I know there's a world in there that's helped a shitload of people. So at some point, I'd like to come at it. And I think coming at it with that attitude, like, if I just get something from it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the Book of Job is pretty, like, the Bible seems to be kind of like a poem. Yeah. It's more like a poem than a novel. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even there's stories in there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wow. Explain to us <laughs> the Book of Job. Yeah. Um. When did you first read the Book of Job? Do you know? Or when did you first? Because you went to church and stuff when you were a kid. Yeah. Was we was it ever something you were aware of then? Did you know who Job was? I don't think I did. I knew who Jonah was because mm. I also had this like book on tape of children's stories of the Bible, the child's lion storyteller Bible or something like that. <laughs> and it was this sweet, like probably like old English male narrator reading it. And they were like stories of the Bible were told so kids could get it. Jonah was in that, but I don't think Job was in that because it's pretty friggin' intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know actually when I came across it, but I was interested in this. As so, when I probably at university, mm. first time around, two thousand and 
routine. And maybe it would be helpful to say a little bit about like, you know, many people who listen to this may not believe in God or be Christian. Um, you know, Sinners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> may have Philistines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Their souls are burning. <laughs> but they may still want to listen to this. Um yeah, and like for the record, like I I'm not Christian. I've never been, you know, I never went to church when I was a kid, but I'm very, very much interested in the Bible. And I just thought it'd be maybe a good thing for us to say, or for you to say how to think about Job or the, you know, exploring Bible stories if the Bible is something that just, you know, has never been a part of your life. You know, what, should you still try and get anything from Bible stories? Is there a place for the Bible if you're not religious? I think if you're interested in literature and you come from the West, then you probably will have a certain amount of awareness about the Bible, even if you're not Christian. Mm-hmm. Just because everybody fucking talks about it. Yeah. And so much of literature is based yeah. upon it. And But I also feel like. There are certain things that have become, well, like, I don't know, like Noah's Ark has probably been done in The Simpsons or something like that. Or these stories, have be, there's probably jokes in Family Guy about the Garden of Eden where the snake, I don't know, I might be half remembering some of that from when I was a teenager, I can't remember. But like these stories are so, mm-hmm. that I remember one, there was one of you know those, this new ad like phones are bad or something like that oh, yeah. by EE phone companies it's hardcore like neon flashing intense uh, advertising but there's a satire on Eve in the Garden of Eden and the snake is mm. selling her a phone or some bullshit I can't remember well it's like if she'd have had a phone she could have googled like don't like talking snakes or something or she was too busy looking on her phone to listen to the snake yeah that's right it's like so we're playing with the story that everybody knows yeah but most people probably haven't read it in the bible yeah and i think that's what's important here isn't it that these are stories yeah and every single story in the bible is a new and unique story and that they're all characters as well right these are all characters that we can draw upon for something like Harry yeah, Potter yeah, and Voldemort yeah. and Job. The book of Job is a story about a man who goes through unbelievable hardship, seemingly for no reason. You know, he's a good man. And then awful things happen to him. And I think that's why it's intriguing at this point in time, right? Yeah. That it's a story about seemingly unnecessary suffering and unnecessary hardship and how does the spirit of a human stand up to that yeah um so take it away (laughs) no that's a good summary really um he's uh well i'll read you the first line it's a nice introduction to the character of job There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Nice. So you already get you already got hit with Uz (laughs) and and eschewed. So it's like, well, I read it in the King James version, which is like the heart the oldest school one well it's not the oldest it goes way back but it's old school and hard so i imagine if i'd read it in like the i don't know is it the new international version that's like more common sort of modern english um but part of it part of my enjoyment with it is the language because it's poetry and i enjoy just the craft of english and there's some sick just sick like descriptions and poetic lines in this it's awesome 
so yeah, he's a perfect and upright guy, and he's got servants and family and he's a successful man. And, but he also prays correctly and mm. sacrifices the right stuff and mm. doesn't regard himself as he's not full of pride or anything. And then God, Satan, and the devil and God use him as a pawn in their game to figure out if like Satan says like look at God look at Job he's he's all good he's a he's a perfect example of a good human but if I took everything away he would curse God and he would turn to me and praise me and God's like I bet I call your I call it and so they have this game where Job's has everything taken away uh, and ends up covered in boils, sitting in the ash, scraping himself with a shard of um, pottery, like a clay shard. To try and get rid of the boils. I think. Just, or just like self. Just I madness. Don't, I don't, yeah, maybe. But it, sound, it sounds like it's sort of therapeutic, maybe. But that's how fucked up. And like his whole his whole family's been murdered. His farm's been burned down. Yeah. He's lost all his crops and lost all his servants. Yeah. And that happens in like chapter one. And there's like 30, yeah. 39. Those little, they're like yeah. 40 chapters. And that all happens really fast. Mm. And then the bulk of it is this like dry ass dialogue between three of his friends who are elders in the community. And like. They have sweet names, um, lots of Zeds in them, <laughs> and they—it's like a high-level debate where they are saying you're doing it wrong, or here are the reasons. Here's what you should do, and I didn't take in much at all. I like—I can't really get. I don't really understand what Job is saying, like if he's, he's still not, um, he's still praying to God, or I don't even know if he still likes God at some point, but I don't think he ever like swear, like blasphemes. And I don't really know what the other guys are saying. So this is the shitty part of the, <laughs> the summary of it, where it's like, there's an argument, and the, but they don't convince him. And then one part I did get was the, the, I think he's the third or the fourth guy. He's not even part of this trio of three wise men. Elihu is like, okay, you guys have all said your piece. No one's convinced, Job. I'm young and it's way out of my place in the hierarchy. I shouldn't normally talk because I'm just a young guy. But I'm going to pretty much diss you guys all out because you've all been getting it all wrong and he has his little thing. And then God shows up uh, to talk to Job. What happens before God shows up? Why does he decide to show up when he does? Um, it's something that Elihu says. It's something about what Elihu is saying. Because I think when God first shows up, he say, he's actually talking to Elihu. Yeah, right. I didn't get that bit. So it's like, uh, Elihu's talking, but then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. So he answered Job. And it's almost like he's answering him for all the things that he's been saying. Like, God is not talking to the other people. He's just talking to Job. But all the others can hear I don't God. know. Mm. It doesn't matter. So yeah, I thought I'd read you uh, what God says, because I think it would be, well, it's, it's fucking dope. <laughs> cool. <coughs> so this is chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? 
Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee an answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it brake forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I make the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee, or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, and against the day of battle and war? By what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Who hath divided a watercourse for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning to thunder? to cause it to rain on the earth, where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a father, or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice, and the hoary frost of heaven, who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Mazaroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts, or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom, or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth hard, when the dust groweth into hardness, and the clods cleave fast together, wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion, or fill the appetite of the young lions, when they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait? 
Who provideth for the raven his food when his young ones cry unto God? They wander for lack of meat. I could keep going. He keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps going for like two more chapters. Saying how awesome he is? Yeah. Who, like, this is all I know. And it's crazy. At the top of this, of the pages, there's like a little summary. Hmm. It says, the incomparable majesty and justice of God. God challenges Job to answer. Man's mm -hmm. weakness and ignorance compared with God's greatness. And behemoth and leviathan. Mm -hmm. So it kind of tells you what's going on, which kind of helped the cave. Mm -hmm. But uh, so, yeah, God comes out of this whirlwind, which is so dope, I think. It's like God appears in a burning bush and in a whirlwind and in a pillar of smoke. I think he guides the Jews across the, de the desert. Is it Moses? Moses guides across the desert with a in the daytime it's a pillar of smoke and at night it's a pillar of fire. Uh, so he like shows up in the coolest costumes. Nice. <laughs> you, is there an importance to the whirlwind? Um, maybe it's like the other people would just see like the chaos, whereas Job's mm. in the center of it or something mm. like that. He sees the stillness, maybe, I don't know. Or like the others would just hear a whirlwind, whereas God answered Job out of the whirlwind. So uh -huh. we're all in this whirlwind, maybe. Uh -huh. Job can hear this voice. Uh -huh. It's like it came to Job. Yeah. But the others would have just been in a, whirl a whirlwind, maybe. Like the confusion of yeah. a whirlwind. yeah. So that's how they see God, whereas God wants to appear to Job so he can actually talk. Mm -hmm. And it's cool that it is out of chaos. Yeah. And out of fire in the yeah. Ten Commandments. Um, and then he goes on, and then he's like, where were you? Who are you? From what I can get from that, it's like, who the fuck are you? Like, you're, you're nothing compared to me. Hmm. I created the heaven and the earth. Like, you ain't done shit, so I'm putting you in your place for a while. So he puts him in his place. And then I'll read you what Job says, actually. It's a, it is fucking hilarious. Because God is, he's schooling him. And it's like, so that was 38. And 39, he keeps going. And 40, moreover, the Lord answered Job and says, so he just keeps schooling him. But then, um, oh, it's so in 40. Then Job answered. So this is the first time Job says anything and said, behold, I am vile. <laughs> what shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer yea twice, but I will proceed no further. So he's just like, I'm, I'm vile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm vile. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So then God keeps seeing, saying stuff like, I'm awesome. He talks about how he has a, have you an arm, hast thou an arm like God? So he starts talking about how he is decked with majesty and excellency, glory and beauty. So he then says how awesome he is. So he like smashes Job and then bigs up himself. Mm-hmm. And then Job says, like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and then he gets everything back. And then that's it. Hmm. And uh, he gets everything back and more. So he's like, after, spoiler alert, after this lived Job an hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died. So Job died, being old and full of days after getting, getting everything back. Um, and so I knew that this story was about the devil and God and this bet and just smashing this guy. 
And this guy never gives up. Like, he never turns his back on this God, on his God. And I started reading it within days of this mm-hmm. shit going down because it like came to mind and was just like, well, I obviously need to read that one mm-hmm. to, to a certain extent because it's like the story in my culture of what's going on right now to a certain extent. Which is what? We're just getting dicked on by out of nowhere. Everything was going good to a certain extent. It was for chaotic, political, everything was like hyperbolic to a certain extent where everybody was yelling at each other very loudly, but like we were doing okay. We were, most people were have laptops and were watching Netflix and like we could go out with friends and um, family and shit like that. And then something came out of nowhere and we seemingly for no from through no fault of our own even though it is all connected and i think it is all connected in job as well so it's like job well the thing the thing that i wanted to examine this idea of like cuz well i got to try and figure out which tangents to go down because there's a lot of thought different thoughts with what this book is about i think and i think one reason or one big idea out of it is like if god is so good why would he do this sort of stuff um but i'm not particularly interested in god as like the like god is a character in a story written by a human written by humans just the same as moana is a character written by humans in who work for disney and stuff like that and like i think that this the way that god talks in that passage is like some of the best is like the best attempt at let's let's take a gamble of what god would sound like because mm. i believe that that's god like he's he's talking so sick like he just the 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 poet the poetry of it and the illusions of it and the grandeur of it and the the, the authority of it i mm. believe that this mm. like in shakespeare i believe these people are kings mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. mad kings like mm-hmm. i believe this character i believe the character of god here so that's another tangent but like yeah, and if we were to if we were to try and like take that voice of God out of the context of God being this like per, like character, like almost human character mm. in this story, could that voice also be representative of like the majesty and authority of the universe mm. Mm. and like the the voice of the universe that silently says to us you're nothing mm. you think you're important mm-hmm. you've been here for a second yeah. like i've i we this has been here longer than you can even conceive yeah i, I, I don't know i was just wondering yeah yeah like that met because i was trying to think like is that the voice of our own authority in us you know if when we are like our best, quote unquote, best selves, can we use that voice to ourselves of like, you're awesome. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't seem right. It seems more like that's the voice of the silence around us, right? That's the voice of the places we can't go as mm. humans that we don't understand. Yeah. that is represented by God in here. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very like logical. Well, not logical, but I understand what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But is that the argument that always comes up to human beings when they try to say, we're great, we're so great, we deserve, you know, we deserve good things because we've done so much good stuff. We rule the planet. Yeah. Is there not always an answering voice that is like the universe saying, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. Yeah. Here's a coronavirus. Yeah. You know, that's very simplistic, but yeah, I'm just well, trying to think like, you know, I feel like these are all symbols in a way or like mm-hmm. pieces of, you know, building blocks to help us think about the world we're in as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, it's like, where were you when I created the coronavirus? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you think it's bad. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that I took from reading this was like. We don't know what bad is. Mm. Um, or maybe, maybe we don't either. Maybe that or also like bad and good aren't real. They're just how we see the world, perceive the world, and make our way through the world and decide what to do with these things. Like we agree that coronavirus is bad, so we take measures to stop it. Um, but like, the coronavirus is trying to well yeah something you said the other day really like kind of stopped me in my tracks we were like well this isn't bad for the coronavirus yeah yeah. (laughs) like this is good yeah and it's a fucking fucked up thing to say i think because it's like obviously the coronavirus is bad obviously it's the most obvious thing but then it's like well no it's not it's good is it yeah because it's good for the coronavirus it's good for the uh, planet. And that's fucked up. Because it makes me feel bad. Because it makes me feel like that the people who are dying, their families don't think this is good. Yeah. They think this is the worst thing in the world. Of course, yeah. But. Uh, and that, I guess, that's why, I don't know, something that just occurred to me then is like, maybe that is why we are still going back to the Bible. Because the Bible has numerous stories, right, of the plight of individual human beings set against the vast context of the planet Mm -hmm. and humans and history and God Mm -hmm. and good and evil. Like, it's, it's always setting that individual human story against the backdrop of the history of everything. And like this one little human drama that is playing out here that you think is so important when you throw it in relief against the backdrop of like the war between good and evil. It's like, oh, that gives me a very different perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting. I think I found the way it, the way that reading the Bible like made me feel better. Just the the when I first picked it up and started reading it, like maybe due to my own personal history with it, like I was introduced to it earlier than a lot of people, I think, or more than a lot of people, less than a lot of people though too. Like I wasn't a crazy Christian, but um, it's like I immediately knew it transcended the moment the mm. now to thousands of years of oral tradition before it to like this is like the bedrock of humanity at least my what modern humanity and uh it felt like it felt like a safety blanket like it gave me some perspective Mm -hmm. made me Mm -hmm. realize that like the there's famine and pestilence and war and plagues and yeah many times over in the pages of the bible that happened and i like can just read about them in a sentence in the bible now and it's like Mm, all that plight has been reduced to a couple of lines and while it doesn't minimize the the hurt of the individuals at that time like i'm sure the the people of bethlehem Loved their 
grandmothers as much as we do now, like the Palestinians of 200 BC cried when their mom died and it broke their hearts. And like, we're still, and we're still feeling exactly the same Mm -hmm. because it's like, you're going to cry when your mother dies in the same, if it's 200 AD, 1000 BC, whenever, 2020. So it made me kind of feel more connected to mm. the greater mm-hmm. humanity. Um, it also made me reevaluate, reappreciate my own luck in amongst the crisis because I haven't experienced hardship through it yet compared to a lot of people. It's been weird. It's been slightly depressing. It's been also good things, but it, and tragedy might still strike, but like compared to Job, mm. like I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting in a pile of ash, scraping myself with a shard of clay with everything gone, which can happen. That happens to people. And yet it happened to this character in the Bible, but it like, it happens to people today. Mm. They have everything taken away from them and just, like, moreover, they don't lose their faith. Whatever that may be, it doesn't have to be like you believe mm-hmm. and you pray mm-hmm. to God with a big capital G and a Christian God. But if you just, if you get out of that not evil, because you could turn evil through that, through mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Of course, having everything taken away from you would make you evil. Of course, that's the most understandable thing in the world. I'm, I want revenge. Fuck. Fuck the world. Fuck you for having more than me. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to come through it and just, like, love still. Yeah. You've made me uh, remember um, during the week I read a poem with some of my colleagues that my manager brought to a meeting, and it was by a guy called John O'Donoghue, who died quite recently. Um, he's an Irish poet and, I think, maybe minister. Um, and he's written a lot of poems and um, I hadn't read this one before uh, and it was it was beautiful it was very short and very much about it was very very relevant to now this time we're in because essentially it was addressed to somebody who had clearly um, who was clearly going through a potentially destructive time in their lives And there was this great line that you just made me think about um, saying something like, if you can go through this and remain generous, time will come good. And it was that idea of remaining generous that I thought was interesting, like not remaining kind or remaining good or pure or whatever, but generous. And we spoke a little bit about that word and like, you know, what, you know, saying it is he saying it in like literal terms like if you stay if you keep giving shit to people but it was more like this sense of if you stay generous to the possibilities of time like a gen if you keep a generous outlook towards the world and people you're gonna be okay And it's like that thing if you said, if you can go through this and not be evil. Yeah. Like if you can keep a generous attitude towards what time is going to have to offer you. Yeah. And I think that's really relevant right now. Yeah. I've felt it in myself. I think it's like... It makes sense to be selfish at the moment mm. in the short term, I think. Because it's like, well, I got enough groceries. Mm-hmm. What about my family? Mm-hmm. And I don't have much interaction with anybody else at the moment either. Yeah. And like, that's bad. <laughs> Yeah, and like with businesses, I was talking to one of the managers of the charity I work for and they were saying, you know, 
the sensible thing for our organization would have been to furlough everybody, every member of staff, so that we can get more money from the government. And then he was like, but that's not who we are. And we want to try and help during this crisis. And we can't do that if all of our staff are furloughed. So we're footing our cost in a way so that we can try and give something that's useful and good during this time. Yeah. And it's like the sensible, the, the like rational thing to do in these kinds of crises, like you said, is think about yourself, put yourself first, you know, ensure your survival. Yeah. Especially in when the crisis is like airborne toxin yeah. or airborne uh, virus. Because it's like you immediately don't trust anybody. Mm. And in times of depression and like mental anguish, some, you know, seemingly the rational thing to do is protect yourself, hide away, don't trust anyone, you know, curl up into a protective fetal ball and stay away from the big bad outside. And it's like, the riskier and seemingly impossible thing to do, but actually it is also the right thing to do, is to keep your heart open and keep letting people in and keep being generous and keep giving stuff away. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you, Job, for teaching I us. I know. And I, it's like literally scratched the surface. This shit's so deep. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You could spend a life like just looking at the book of Job. Yeah. And there's a very good conversation if, you know, uh, rabbit holes leading to other rabbit holes. Um, there's a very good piece in an interview between Russell Brand and Jordan Peterson on Russell Brand's podcast, Under the Skin, where Russell Brand basically asks Jordan Peterson to explain to him the bit at the end of God's speech about the behemoth Mm. and the Leviathan. Mm. Like, he's basically like, what does this mean? Mm. Why is he talking about a behemoth and a Leviathan? And Jordan Peterson, who's like, studied the Bible and is a scholar, and he gives uh, an amazing... He just walks you through a very, very interesting, multiple layered like interpretation of what God is saying. Yeah. And it's cool. So uh, check that out if you want to get a bit more into Job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay kind. Stay generous. And don't sit in a pile of ash. Stay away from the ash. <laughs>